Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to this time of worship We're at Anastasia Baptist Church. I invite you to stand with me as we begin our time together as we sing the psalmist of the 150th Psalm told us to let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Are you here this morning? Yes. Do you have breath? Yes. Then you are to praise the Lord with us.
Eternity is a long time. It's kind of like infinity. And, uh, you know, not all of us are Tim Tebow who has counted to infinity twice. But it's a long time, eternity. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if, we, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But you see, our hope is not confined to just this life. It extends, as our song we're about to sing says, it extends in this life and through death unto eternity. Let's stand. Let's sing that truth. Upon 
just needs to know you and give them that privilege. Well, good morning. You may have a seat. Welcome to Anastasia Church. My name is Julia. I'm the young adult minister here. We are so glad that you are joining us today for worship. If this is your first time, welcome. We have a gift especially for you out at the welcome desk. I hope you will stop by there and receive it. You can also text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. That will pull up our digital connect card as well as our bulletin and ways to give to Anastasia Church. Or if you would prefer, you may use the camera on your smartphone and scan the QR code that's on the screen in the back. Good job. 
tech team. So a few announcements that we have happening here at Anastasia. Today is pop-up Sunday for kids all the way up until youth. Right now our youth are eating bacon and pancakes, so maybe I will have to go check on them after this. But an exciting Sunday. School started, our kids are moving up, so um, hopefully you got everyone where they're supposed to be, and if not, maybe go check on them afterwards. We also have a baptism happening at the beach this afternoon. All the information is in your bulletin. Hopefully you'll be able to be there, cheer on new believers in baptism. And if you are interested in being baptized at the beach today, there's still time for you to join in. We'd just love for you to, um, after the service, talk to one of our counselors and um, let them know your intentions, and hopefully you can be a part of that if that's something that God has placed on your heart. And also, on the 23rd, our Wednesday night activities will be kicking off again. Kids praise, youth, men's and women's Bible studies, and our Wednesday night suppers. So mark your calendars, August 23rd, we will be back at it on Wednesday nights. Um, and the, as I mentioned, we have a few ways that you can contribute here at Anastasia to give your tithes and offerings. But I'm just curious, who was here last week and got to walk through our new family worship building? It's pretty incredible. Um, that was my first time actually walking through. I think I skipped staff meeting when they went through that the first time. But I got to stand at the doorway and the most prevalent word I heard when people were walking through was, wow. Over and over, that's all people could say when they walked in, wow. And it's so amazing to see how God is moving through the life of our church. And I can't think of a better word to sum it up than wow. And we're so thankful to our congregation, our church family, who has given so faithfully to make this happen. Thank you, thank you. If you are here with us this morning and you would like to continue to partner in the ministries here at Anastasia Church, there are a few ways that you can give your offerings and tithes. We have generosity boxes located throughout the church. You can scan that QR code and give there. You can go to our Anastasia Church website. But I just wanted to say, wow, what an amazing God we serve. Let's pray for our offerings now. Lord, we are just in awe of who you are and what an amazing God. Thank you for how you are continuing to move through Anastasia Church, Lord. How you continue to use your people. And Lord, as we worship you by giving our tithes, our offerings back, Lord, we give it with a cheerful heart and just knowing what an amazing work that you're doing here, Lord. I pray that you will bless it and that you would use it to spread your kingdom. We love you, Lord. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to be observing together and participating in the Lord's Supper. So I invite you as we sing this next song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, to use that time as you're singing to prepare yourself so that after that, when we have the Lord's Supper, you can participate in a meaningful way. So let's stand together as we sing.
sacrifice of Christ. And it's in just a moment, our deacons are going to be coming in a moment and passing out the elements. Uh, just a few things I want to let you be aware of. That here at Anastasia, we don't require you to be a member here at Anastasia to partake in communion. All that we ask is that you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus and that you have received him as Savior. Because we feel that only in a relationship with him, only receiving the gift that he has given us, can we fully appreciate and reflect on what he has given us. And so just in a moment, as our, our deacons come, uh, you're going to receive two cups, and one is uh, the juice, and then one is uh, the, the wafer. And so uh, if you need to put one of those cups in uh, the cup holder in front of you, you can do so. And I ask that uh, as we prepare to partake, that we will all partake at once. And I'll give us our instructions that we want to partake as a body of believers who have been redeemed by Christ Jesus. But as the deacons come, I ask you now to reflect and think. Scriptures say that he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Will you take just a moment? Will you reflect? Will you bow quietly? Deacons, you may come. Pass out the elements.
Scriptures say, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, telling his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, we didn't deserve it. God, but you freely gave of yourself. And so, Lord, we give thanks. We remember, the reflect on the pain and the agony that you endured on our behalf. And, Lord, all we can say is that we are grateful and that we worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice of your body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may partake. Scriptures say, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, and when you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed. Lord, we know that your scriptures say that without the shedding of blood, there cannot be any remission of sins, Lord, and you were the sacrificial lamb. Your blood was perfect. You were blameless and sinless and the only righteous one. And you came to die on the cross and you shed your blood that we might know forgiveness and salvation. And today we say we reflect and we remember on the goodness of your sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you for the shedding of your blood so that we may know life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may partake. Scriptures say... As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he shall one day return again. Amen, church? Amen. 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 Well, thank you again for being here this morning as we uh, open God's word together. And what a privilege it is and what a, a beautiful opportunity it is that we have to open God's word together and be a body of believers. Uh, you know, it's just an exciting last couple weeks uh, last week, if you were here and you heard, we, we got to tour our, our new next-gen building and rec center. And uh, boy, what exciting times that we are in here at Anastasia. And uh, today, uh, my understanding that we have at least maybe more 13 people getting baptized at the ocean today. Um, so we want to give God the glory for that. I've been promising everybody who signed up for the baptism, I've been telling them that the water is guaranteed to be warm, okay? <laughs> the heater is on, no worries about that. It's going to be nice and warm and ready for them. But you know, it, it's exciting. This past week in our community, school started, right? Uh, parents are very excited. Maybe some students were excited, I'm not sure. And uh, you know, uh, teachers and, and staff are excited to have kids back. And I, I don't know about you, but I remember... Uh, the night or the weeks leading up to going into high school. Uh, I don't know, it may have been a while for you, and, and, uh, but I remember that time of getting ready and the nervousness and the anxiousness of going to high school. Anybody remember those nights leading up? And, you, and you're worried if you're going to fit in, if people are going to like you. You know, it's going to high school and you're a freshman. There's a lot of bigger kids there. And so there's a lot of worry and anxiety. And I was thinking about kids starting, and I can remember uh, having dreams leading up to the night before school. And uh, I was reading some articles that there's a very common dream that people have going into school. Maybe you know where this is going. But, you know, I, I thought about, you know, prior to school, you have all your stuff laid out. You got all your clothes, your backpack. And my reoccurring dream was that I had everything I thought in my mind ready to go to go to the first day of school. I felt like I had my backpack. I had everything I needed to be successful. And I walked into the classroom feeling confident going in there. And all of a sudden, as I walk in, this is in my dream, you know, walk into the classroom, I notice people are staring at me. I know as people are looking at me and some are pointing fingers and even the teacher is looking at me in a very peculiar way. And, and as I'm trying to figure out why they're laughing and why, why am I, why they're looking at me, I realize that in my dream that although I thought I was fully dressed and ready to go to school, I was not. <laughs> I was missing some key articles of clothing, right? And, and I felt this shame. I felt this embarrassment. And then, thank God, I woke up. Whew. Gosh, what a worry. 
I read an article that many people reported having some sort or variation of that dream and, and feeling and going to a place of importance and realizing that they were missing some key items, uh, as we will say, and they were humiliated. You know, it's interesting passage of scripture in Colossians, and it says this, Colossians 3.12, put on then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's almost like the writer of Colossians is saying, just like you get dressed in the morning, it is important for you to clothe yourself with the fullness of God's compassion and kindness and meekness that he has given to you, that we are to dress in such a way to honor God in our compassion. I wonder though, and I'm challenged by the thought of is that is, Christ's command and expectation for us to walk with compassion. But I wonder, like in my dream, having the confidence in the feeling that everything is the way it should be and that I have everything I need, that one day when I stand before God and one day when many of us stand before God and we're accountable before God for our actions and the life that we lived, we will find that we didn't clothe ourselves each and every day with compassion. So I want to challenge us this morning to look at putting on compassion each and every day. What does it look like to cultivate compassion in our lives? And if you're with us a couple weeks ago, you know we started in the book of Ruth. And I love in the book of Ruth, there's a story, an example of one who has great compassion. And if you missed last week and you're not familiar with the story of Ruth, you know, the story of Ruth is so much about redemption, it's about finding hope in hopeless situations. But a lot of that story of hope, a lot of that story of redemption comes out a story of God's compassion. And I believe that that story of compassion is enacted out through one name and his, his man's name, and his name is Boaz in the story. And we're going to read a little bit about the story of Boaz here and, and how he impacted uh, lives with his compassion. And I think in Scripture... If we were to look through scripture and look at someone who lived out compassion well, I think that we would land on the story of Boaz. And so I invite you this morning to turn to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to be reading in verse 1 and going through verse 13. And if you are able this morning, can you please uh, stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to his young man who was in the charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean uh, and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close the young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And now you left your father and mother in your native land and come to the people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, who's under, who's, under whose wings you have found, taken refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have confronted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. 
All right, to give you a little understanding of what's going on here, there are kind of three names mentioned, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz in chapter two that we read. And Naomi uh, is the mother-in-law to Ruth. And uh, just recently, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you understood that uh, Ruth and Naomi are in a time of grieving, of loss. Uh, Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. Ruth lost her husband, her father-in-law, and her brother-in-law. And so they're in this desperate situation, Ruth and Naomi. And, And they are without someone to look for them, to care for them. They're without resources. And so they make the decision to go to Bethlehem uh, from where Naomi kind of originated. And so they make their way there in hopes of finding some refuge. And so they go and and Ruth ends up in the field of Boaz. And this is kind of where we see the generosity and compassion of Boaz. And and I love this story because I, I think it helps define compassion as this for us. Compassion is defined by our willingness to see and respond to the needs of others as God leads us. Compassion is defined by our willingness to see and respond to the needs of others as God leads us. If we are to clothe ourselves, as Colossians suggests, to put on compassion, how do we do that? And I think as we examine Boaz's life, we get four kind of characteristics of what it looks like to cultivate a compassionate heart. The first one is, If we're gonna cultivate a compassionate heart, we need to build connections to build compassion. Build connections to build compassions. It says in in the first part, as Boaz is coming back to his field and to his workers, you kind of see the relationship that Boaz had created and, and cultivated with the people around him. And it says, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And I love the response that his, his servants and those who are in his, uh, working his field say, the Lord bless you. And I say this was probably not a typical relationship that Boaz had with those who worked under them. He continually sought opportunities to bless those whom God had entrusted and given to him. And we see in their response that they had a great relationship. See, I believe that Boaz built relationships with those who came in contact with. He had connections with those. And because he had a relationship and a connection, he had compassion on them. See, you and I, sometimes we struggle to know how to show and have compassion on others. But can I tell you, it's as simple as starting a relationship, a conversation, an opportunity in which we get to hear and understand about someone else. Because when we open our hearts and we open our minds and our relationships to get to know somebody, that opens the door for us to show compassion. You and I, we struggle sometimes with showing compassion. We struggle sometimes in reaching out to build relationships. My, my son has what they call a food aversion. And what a food aversion is, is he has a really hard time tasting and trying new foods because of textures or the way they smell. And so uh, it's a real thing. We go to an occupational therapist who helps us understand, you know, how we can get him to eat different things. And one of the things that they tell us to do is that every time uh, we prepare a meal for him, a plate for him, is that we put new types of food on there that he would otherwise never try or think about trying. And so we put those foods on there and hopefully he'll smell or look at and uh, maybe even touch or, or, or feel or taste these foods to see that, hey, these foods are okay. These are foods that God has given me to enjoy and to eat. I can eat and partake of those. But it's a slow process in which we have to introduce, connect, and oftentimes what he'll figure out is he actually does like the food. You know, many of us, we have a people aversion, <laughs> Sometimes we struggle to build connection in relationships. We wonder if, if we're gonna like this person, are they gonna like us? And, and I think the first step in having compassion for someone is building a relationship with them, putting aside our aversions. I, I, I love what Romans chapter 10 says in verse 14, and it talks about the importance of us making connections and relationships. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring 
the good news. You and I are sent. We are a sent people to build relationships, to share the goodness of the gospel with those around us. How do we start with compassion? Build a relationship. I love so many times that I've gotten opportunities to go on mission trips and and, and, and every mission trip I, I, I go on, you know, I, I begin to ask God to soften my heart for the people I'm ministering to in the way that he sees them. And every time I start to build a relationship, build a connection, what happens is I begin to see and I begin to hear God's heart for those people. Encourage us, challenge us to have compassion, build a relationship and ask God to reveal you how to love those people. Second thing you can write down is allow compassion to speak over your personal judgments. Allow compassion to speak over your personal judgments. It says that in the scripture that uh, as, as Boaz is inquiring who this woman is in the field, uh, his servants say, hey, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. It's no coincidence that twice in that statement, uh, his servant references that this is a Moabite woman from Moab, right? Right. Uh, the reason that's important is she was a foreigner. And not only was she a foreigner, she was someone who was often at odds uh, with the people of Boaz, right? Of his, his, his people. And so this was a foreign woman in a foreign land. And it could have been very easy that Boaz could have stereotyped, could have passed judgment to keep from showing compassion to this young lady. But he didn't let his personal stereotypes or judgment sway how to show compassion. He let the God of all creation, the God of Israel, influence him how he should respond. You know, sometimes we want to respond in our own personal judgments, and we are all guilty of it, right? It is easy to look at somebody and think, well, they're different from me. They dress differently. They think differently. They're from a different place than me. Uh, You know, why should I show compassion? Why should I show grace? They think different than me. You know, because God has called us to show compassion in the measure in which we have been shown compassion through the Lord Jesus. We are called to love those around us. We are called to not let our personal judgments and stereotypes determine our actions. We are to allow the God of all creation to determine our actions. Uh, you know, I, I think about how do we overcome these judgments in our life to have compassion? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Henry Nouwen uh, said this, compassion cannot coexist with judgment. <laughs> compassion cannot coexist with judgment. So how do we overcome it? The book of James says it's similar. It says this, that mercy, or in other interpretations, compassion triumphs over judgment. In other words, when we allow the mercy and compassion that God has for us in our lives and we allow that to influence how we treat others, it triumphs over judgments. What does that look like in our life? You know, I was thinking many of us, we, we may have uh, on our cell phone uh, little speakers on the bottom of your cell phone, right? And you can use those little speakers to play a, some music and you could turn up the volume and it, it may get reasonably loud. If you're in a confined space, you might think it's a, a pretty loud speaker and uh, you can hear it and, uh, you know, and, and you could take it with you and go places. You can listen to it. But, you know, if you, you took that same cell phone and you were playing your favorite playlist and listening to music and you went to the amphitheater on the on a Friday night playing that music and they, uh, a band began to start to play and the music started to be broadcast through the speakers, can I tell you, you're not going to hear what's being played on your phone anymore, right? It's going to be so loud and oh, so much greater noise and volume that you're not going to be able to hear it. Similarly, when we're in tune to the love of God in our life and the love and compassion that he has for other people, can I tell you, it triumphs over any personal judgments or stereotypes that we have in our life. He can help us overcome. And how how do we do that? We be in tune to his word. We be in tune to his example, his leadership, his lordship in our life. And pretty soon, the most important thing to us is not worrying about the stereotypes or judgments that we have for people. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus with them. The voice of and compassion 
And the love that the Lord has speaks a greater volume than the judgments and condemnation of this world. Hallelujah. Let's let that voice, let's let that truth resound in our lives. God's love in our life, if we allow it, will play out in volume when we seek him out in his presence and it speaks compassion louder than any personal judgment or stereotype that we may have. Which leads us to the third point. Compassion should move us to respond to the physical and spiritual needs of others. Boaz comes across this Moabite woman who, for all intensive purposes, he could have told to go to a different field or to not be there because of her, her being a foreign. But that's not how God led him, and that's not how God used him. And he went in beyond what was expected. And he tells her, let your eyes be on the field that you're reaping. Don't go anywhere else to find to reap, to find food and resource. You stay right here. I want to take care of you, he says. And, and, and he says, have not I charged the young man not to touch me? He was concerned with her safety and making sure for her well-being. And he says, when you are thirsty, go to the vessels. He says, anything that you see that you need, I have it for you. And, and we can tell by Ruth's response how bold this generosity was. What was Ruth's response? To fall before him and said, thank you, thank you. You have shown me favor and grace that I didn't deserve. That's the compassion that God reveals to us. When we realize the compassion that God has shown to us, when we realize the compassion of Christ, Boaz knew the compassion that the God of Israel had shown him, and because of that, he showed compassion to those around him. As we look at Jesus' ministry, how was Jesus' ministry defined? By compassion, by love, by mercy. Matthew chapter 4 talks about it in verse 23. And he went through all out Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought Syria and they brought him all the sick, those who afflicted of various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Jesus left the comfort of heaven and humbled himself in the form of a man dying on a cross for our sins. He came to us. His compassion, his love for us moved him from heaven to earth so that he might love and care for us. And I love that Matthew chapter 4 talks about that though the people of Israel are expecting uh, the coming Messiah to come in power and prestige and position and political uh, stature, how did he come? Humble, teacher, healer, and physician to those who are sick and afflicted. That's the God that we serve. His compassion moved him to love and care for his people. What's interesting in, in Matthew 4 is not only do we see the compassion of the Savior, but his compassion inspired others to have compassion on those who are hurting and ill. You know, it talks about here that all throughout Syria, and that's not modern day Syria, there have been ancient times Syria, and that represented a large part of the Middle East. People were traveling great distances to carry those who were paralytic, who were hurting and diseased into the presence of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think about the type of friends and relationships that I have in my life and the people that I want in my life, I want people who will carry me in my brokenness to the feet of Jesus. Think about that. People traveled 60 to 100 miles just to carry the loved ones that they had, those were hurting, and just to place them at the feet of Jesus. What does compassion look like? It looks like you and I taking and ushering people into the healing, restoration power of Jesus. Are we willing to take people into the presence of Jesus? Essentially, this is how Boaz lived. He, he had such compassion uh, because God had blessed him. And we see him blessing Ruth and Naomi multiple times, giving blessing over them and speaking it over them. 
and moving outside of what was expected to care for them, showing immense compassion, which leads us to our last point. Sharing the love of Jesus is the greatest act of compassion. Boaz says to Ruth in our passage, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz wants Ruth, a Moabite woman, a foreigner, to know the blessing of the God of Israel. You know, as I think about why is sharing the love of Jesus the greatest act of compassion? Because we know that only Jesus can bring healing and restoration into our lives. Only Jesus can provide the forgiveness and salvation that we need in our lives. It's only him. And so when we realize that the greatest gift of compassion that we can share is, is Christ Jesus as himself, we understand that is the greatest gift that we can share with anyone. Many of you, you may have paid attention to the news over the last few weeks, and uh, there was a young man and was involved in a boating incident, and uh, his boat right here in St. Augustine was hit by a wave and flipped over, and everything that was in his boat fell out, and uh, including he lost his motor and he drifted out to sea. And many of you heard it. Many of y'all were praying for this young man. And, and thank God that he was rescued and is fine. But, you know, I think so much of that is credit is due to our first responders and search and rescue who didn't waste a moment to go after and search for this young man. And I, and I think about those first responders and those search and rescue who, who mobilized and immediately went to find him and, and, and were able to rescue him. And in so many situations like that where our first responders have to act in urgency. Why? Because they have the knowledge, the resources, and the skills to help rescue someone in need. What if, what if those first responders tarried or delayed in responding to a need so urgent? like this one this young man was in. What would happen? Many of those who are depending on that life-saving response would not receive it. And see, it's a matter of life and death, so there is a great urgency that is at hand. Can I tell you, you and I, we play a similar role to those first responders, those search and rescue. You and I have the knowledge, the resources, and the capability to share the life-saving truth of Jesus to the lost and dying world around us. Question is, are we moved by the compassion that the Lord has shown us? Are we moved by the needs of those around us that we mobilize and that we move with urgency and compassion and kindness to share with them the truth of Jesus. I would challenge us this morning, just as Colossians say, put on compassion because there is a world around us that is lost and dying, waiting on rescue. And you and I have the knowledge and the resource through the Holy Spirit to share with them the good news of Jesus. Church, may we be a church clothed every day with compassion. And may we live just as Boaz lived, showing compassion to the least of these. So this morning, as we have a time of invitation, I challenge you, first and foremost, to live with compassion as Boaz did. But second, if you haven't responded, first and foremost, to the compassion that Jesus has shown us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. Today is the day that you can. Today is the day that you can put your faith and trust in him. Today is the day that you can ask for the forgiveness of his sins and trust that he has already paid for you to receive the salvation that he went to the cross for. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, God, and we wanna give you all honor and glory this morning. Thank you for the example that you have given us of Boaz's life and how he lived uh, in faith and showing compassion. Lord, may we, as Colossians says, may we clothe ourselves every day with your compassion, looking to the needs, both physical and spiritual, of those around us. And may we be moved by compassion 
to share the good news of Jesus with him. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone who has not received you as Lord and Savior, that they wouldn't leave this place, this room, this building without talking to a counselor or myself or uh, someone sitting next to him about what it means to have a relationship with you. Lord, in all things, we want to give you glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's stand, let's worship, and you come this morning as the Lord leads. just for a moment. 18 years ago, I was extended the privilege by this church of coming here as your then new traditional worship pastor. My predecessor, Keith Pate, had been here for 12 years. Now, I'm not a math teacher, and I did not stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night, but if my calculations are correct, Anastasia has had exactly two full-time ministers of music in the past 30 years. That means that either one, you don't like change, or two, you're willing to put up with someone through thick or thin. And this past year has been a very thin one for my family. Ever since I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma last October and then basically fell off the face of the earth for several months, but you stayed with me and Marcia giving us support in all ways possible, spiritually, uh, emotionally, financially. And for that, we are grateful. My treatment plan resulted in the most complete remission possible. But, <clears throat> but my type of cancer, high-risk multiple myeloma, is treatable, not curable. This means that according to the last study done, the, the first remission averages about 55 months or four and a half years, and at that time I will probably need to undergo another blood and marrow transplant and go through that whole process again. So it's become apparent to me over the last several months that I cannot physically do what this ministry requires. I can't lead both of the Sunday morning traditional services consistently week after week. I can't rehearse the choir on Wednesday night and then turn around and rehearse the orchestra. Because the transplant wiped out all of my previous immunizations, I can't visit in the hospitals. I'll need to get all of my childhood immunizations again, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, scurvy, the plague, you know, the whole, the whole deal. <laughs> so Anastasia needs and deserves a pastor who can fulfill the responsibilities and commitments of ministry. And while it's been my privilege to do so here at Anastasia for almost two decades. It's now time for me to step aside. So I will be retiring near the end of the year with Sunday, December 3rd, 
being my last Sunday in the pulpit. So it's been an honor to serve you and the Lord here at Anastasia. We've been so blessed by your friendship. Thank you for being the people of God that you are and for allowing us to serve with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Marcia, if you'll come up here as well. Um, gosh, those jokes you told just really got me. It's hard for me to express personally what this family has meant to me and to this church. And so I'm so very grateful for David and Marcia and the Elder family. And I know that they have blessed you as much as they have blessed me. And so I want to ask you now that this is a new season of life. And I know that God's got big plans for both of you and your family, and he's going to continue to use you in mighty ways, hopefully to still tell bad jokes. Um, <laughs> but I know other ways as well. Church, will you join me in praying for Pastor David? We just lift your hands and Marsha and the elder family, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for David and Marsha and the elder family for their example, for their ministry here at Anastasia, for what they have meant to so many, for the lives that they have touched and that they have shared the good news of your son. May you bless them in this next season. And God, I know that as you look upon David's ministry in these last few years, I believe that you are saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And may you bless them immensely in this season. Lord, we love you, and we give you honor and praise and glory for how you've used them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless your church. We've we've cried enough now. You guys can thank you for coming here this morning, and we are just privileged to serve alongside such a great church. God bless you.